Good morning. It's Women's History Month, March, and one of the things that I have become so impassioned about recently when it comes to changing the roles of women, our relationship with self, how society sees us, how we work, has been around the conversation that first we need to be educated and we need to be educated around the things that we have a disadvantage in. One of the major things is money. It's our relationship with money. It's our financial health. It's so much deeper than just what you make or don't make. It's all of the things that it represents below the surface. And it was a wonderful opportunity for me to sit down with Audrey Giannini because she was a former CFO and public accountant, now turned therapist. And in our conversation about money, we talked about how it's emotional, how a lot of it are formative beliefs that we have when we're children or in the environments that we grew up in but also the companies that we are in, the systems in which we occupy, they are not built for full transparency. They are not built for disclosure. And we also talk about the challenges of demotivating employees with that exposure or things like pay bans. It made me wonder, does it really demotivate employees or are we just incentivizing and recognizing and praising our employees, our employment culture incorrectly? Is it instead something where we need to think about what are other metrics of success? What are other ways to foster creativity and leadership and innovation and career growth that isn't only tied to money? Because a lot of times what we are seeing in the work world is that where we come from, how we are predisposed. If you are a white person versus a person of color, if you are a man versus a woman, if you are born into an affluent family versus not, college educated at a prestigious university versus maybe a more traditional university. These are all things that predispose whatever your earning potential is. And when you think about the at-risk populations, we think about people of color, when we think about women, and specifically the intersectionality of those two, women of color, Black women, brown women, Asian women, these are questions that we have to take responsibility for. And so I recognize privilege in this conversation, right? Audrey and I are two white women sitting down talking about the challenges of financial literacy. Both of us have education, access to information. We are not coming from a place of, of lack. And so please take that with a grain of salt as you go into this, but recognize that your relationship with wealth, your relationship with financial literacy is twofold. The first is the education piece. I love what Audrey said. She said, just because you are intimidated, do not act uninterested. The second is understanding your inward relationship. Go inward. What is your emotional and mental and physiological response when we start talking about money? Do the walls go up? Do you get nervous? Do you feel like money's bad? Do you want it but not know how to get it? What are all of those things? And, and understanding those two in parallel path, it really begins to open your mind to actually be able to see what does financial literacy mean to you? What role does money have in your life? Is it freedom? Is it prestige? Is it access? All of those things can be the right answer, but in order to have conversations with others, we have to understand where we stand. So this is a brief chat. Audrey and I talk about her experience coming from the financial world, some of my own questions and insecurities around getting to know my relationship with money and wealth better. 
and some very easy ways to access information. So like I said, it's Women's History Month. We begin to change cycles when we educate ourselves on what's broken and take action, inspired action for my Gabby Bernstein fans on how we can change it. Thanks for following along and being a part of this conversation. I want to jump into one aspect that has been coming up on my mind a lot. And even in just hearing your intro, you talked a lot about comfort around stability. And I came from a family where that was always something talked about. Education was a means to comfort, stability, do the hard work when you're young. So when you're older, you have that. I think that's a very common narrative. It's hard to walk away from and not knowing what that is. But I also find that as women, I'll speak for myself and some of those that are around me. I find it really challenging to openly talk about wealth and relationship with money. I find that it's something that it's fine if you want it to be stable or to be comfortable. It's another if you're like, I just want a shit ton of money. And I don't know that we look at that version of women or really have a ton of role models outside of your uber wealthy celebrities. I I think you are starting to get some of these more business celebrities, your Sarah Blakely's of the world, your Kat Cole's of the world, some of those. But I find that it's an awkward conversation. I find that a lot of the women around me, it's touchy of what you make, what you don't make. I find having open conversations around financial goals of what you want. I just find it all to be eggshell territory. And I wish it weren't because I have a lot of questions. I'm highly curious about it, especially in going out on my own. I don't know what a 401k looks like when you go on your own. I don't know what income should look like. It's all of these questions. And obviously you and I know each other through the financial lens, but I'm curious what that has been for you or what your observations are. And I also want to call out Audrey's mom is also a CPA by trade. And so you grew up with your primary female role model, woman role model being in the world of money. And so I I just want to understand what your relationship is, and then also maybe some of the things you've observed or or learned. Before fully answering your question, I'll just back up and say that I'm studying to become a couple and family therapist, but there is a whole world of financial therapy that I'm hoping to venture into, partially because it felt silly to walk away from 10 years of accounting and finance understanding, but also... I realized the same thing you did. I realized that there are so many people, individuals, couples, entrepreneurs, business owners, families, list goes on of people that are uncomfortable about money. And you realize the psychology of money. I mean, there's a whole body of knowledge out there right now about the psychology of money. There's so much more to it, which is why there are eggshells. There are eggshells because people don't feel confident, not only in their understanding of money, but more in their relationship with money. We all have ways that we were raised and conversations that we had around money or didn't have. For some people, you did not talk about money and that's why you feel that wall when you go to talk to someone because that's how they were raised. And I think with a lot of our thought about what life is supposed to look like and how we feel, there's the, that's how we were raised in quotes concept is being debunked, but with money, people don't really know where to start. So starting at a deeper level for every person to understand their relationship with money, why they feel about money the way that they do, why when someone like you asks those questions, where did those defense mechanisms and those feelings come from, I think is the first step to understand your relationship with money. And then past that, gain a level of confidence through education. I think education is the number one thing. Do your reading and 
And if you're uninterested, but I think there are a lot of, I'll speak for women in particular that I've met that say they're uninterested in finances, but it's really just that it's terrifying for them. This one story sticks out in my mind and it was heartbreaking and inspirational. I was at my previous firm and there was a woman who had been widowed. She was probably in her seventies and she came in and she was full-blown panic, shaking. She started to cry and she said, my husband handled the finances my whole life and he just died. And I don't know where to start. I don't even know what it means to earn money. I don't know where the money comes when it goes. Does it go to my bank account? Does it, I don't know how to, she literally, the woman knew nothing. And I think, first of all, it felt really good to be able to hold her hand and say, we can do this. You are not alone. There's so many women that are just starting out trying to figure this out. But my hope is that for me growing up, we did have those conversations and I got to see my mom have power in those discussions. It wasn't what dad said goes by any means. When they make an investment, they make an investment together. And I was lucky enough to see that. And my hope is that we start to have more of that and kids start to see more of that. But women have to gain confidence. They have to educate themselves. And, you know, this is down the road, but my hope is to eventually create workshops for women to come together, to have these conversations, to understand their relationship with money and to gain a confidence in the basics even will make you feel better. Don't feel that you're uninterested because it's scary. And it is scary. The world of finance and accounting can be really confusing and scary, but everybody is smart enough to figure it out. And it's a question of letting yourself go there and opening your mind to it. Completely. What is your, I was talking to a couple of friends recently, and I I won't even see what my opinion is on this, but what is your opinion of openly talking about what you make, what your finances look like? This really came from, so a girlfriend and I were talking and she worked in the nonprofit sector and I've worked in regular business world. Mm -hmm. And she's, this is what I'm trying to negotiate. And she said, I just want you to be really honest with me because I want to know what I should go in there and ask for. And sometimes can feel taboo because it's bad taste, right? Don't talk money, politics, and religion. And I I can understand some of the guardrails around that. But Mm -hmm. I also think that we do ourselves a deficit by not having open conversations around earning potential, around employment packages, around wealth, around investing, because Mm -hmm. we then keep us down at a macro level. Definitely. It's part of the reason why women have continued to be oppressed as it relates to the salary range. We don't have those conversations. So we're not certain that we're making less. We think we're making less, but we don't really know. And therefore we don't go and ask for more. And I think you mentioned money, politics, and religion. Those are all as personal as they come. So I think it's more about being okay with talking about your feelings rather than talking about specific topics. And I know I'm sure some people are probably rolling their eyes, but it's vulnerability. It's a question of being okay with being vulnerable and recognizing that Some people may judge you one way or another, but if they do, who cares? Do you really care about what that person thinks? And so it is a very personal decision, the the privacy piece of it. I don't necessarily have an issue with discussing it. In fact, I've seen a lot of benefit from discussing it. I do think you probably have to be careful when you're within certain companies. And I've seen a lot of companies head towards the paid bands so that everyone knows where everyone stands. And I think there's some benefit to that too, but also you demotivate people in that way too. If you stick them in a band and you let them know that no matter what they do, they're not jumping out of that band, that can really hinder creativity and and innovation as well. I'm not sure I really even answered your question, but I think think it's that deeper, we were talking about iceberg, right? There's more below the surface that needs to be discussed before people can understand why they don't want to talk about 
money and why it is so uncomfortable. I think in maybe agreeing with whoever you're talking to about what the outcome of that discussion is, right? Mm-hmm. To be in our conversation, that might feel weird, right? Definitely. That, and I've had people do that and you walk away feeling like, that was a weird flex. Mm-hmm. But however, my girlfriend and I sitting down and saying, hey, this is around negotiations. I'm seeking this information. Can you share sure. that? That's a different outcome. So maybe it's setting up the right framework of a conversation that then allows you to be a certain level of vulnerable or open. Yeah. Maybe that's the takeaway here. In a previous life, a colleague and I, we had very similar roles and she and I actually realized that there were some natural frictions in doing a very similar role in the sales world. And she and I sat down and said, we want to fully disclose what each other makes so Mm -hmm. we can maybe negotiate for a group opportunity Mm -hmm. that's better. And that was served us right in that scenario. It caused us to work better together. Mm -hmm. We had a closer bond. We collaborated. All of those things came from it. However, I don't know that the employer would have pushed that to say, you two should have open discussions because I I get from an employment and business perspective that can be not as advantageous for you to have full transparency. I, I get both sides, but I think that by setting up that intent at the onset, can really be game changing. Yeah, I think that's true for anything. If you understand why somebody's going into the conversation with you, it makes it a lot easier to talk about. Whereas we, a lot of times, live in a world of competition and of argument and of polarization. And it lets those defenses down once you understand the purpose behind the conversation. If it's a healing purpose, it makes things easier to talk about. If somebody's there just to fight with you and compete with you, then yeah, of course you're going to put that wall up. And I think learning how to express your purpose is also a learned skill that we all need to figure out. I'm getting a lot of ideas for some workshops coming out of today's session. Love it. This conversation just began to scratch the surface. And it's something that I've sat with over the past several weeks of how can we go deeper? And you're going to start hearing a lot more content around what is the double click into some of these topics? I said at the top of the episode, this was a conversation privilege, recognized privilege. And the piece I'll say sounded pretty good in the conversation, right? I said in the episode where my colleague and I talked about our salary, our bonus structure, we worked better together. Yes, that did happen. But what I didn't get into and I feel called to disclose now is the feelings of competition, frustration that I felt at the onset of that relationship. My colleague and I were, as I said, in sales. Sales is traditionally a very financially motivated role. At the time in my household, in my four walls, I was the breadwinner. My husband was in the process of building his own firm. We bought a house on my salary, in which case I was the one that was responsible for making things happen. I felt an immense pressure to provide for my family. The weight I carried from my home life came into my work life. I clawed for every dollar. And I think it was really an off-putting experience for those that managed me and those that were around me because everything was about money. And it was because I was coming from a place of lack and a place of fear that it had to be. And I didn't know how to be transparent in my work environment to say that if I can earn what I deserve, mind you, none of this was what I didn't deserve, but how I went about it could be better. If I could have been honest and found the words and understood my relationship with money better, I think I could have had more productive conversations. I will also say the conversation and transparency that I had with my colleague, another woman, was very scary to me because in my mind, there was a finite pool of dollars. And if she and I went about it to say, hey, we both want to have an equitable income. We both want to have equitable benefits. 
that meant I had less. And that is a flawed belief. Yes, in business, there's not endless resources, but was there more money for us to both have equitable earning and still thrive? Absolutely. And so I have to be fully transparent that the output of that, the learning I got from that situation was, yes, we can work better together if we have aligned incentives and transparency and collaboration. But it took me probably six to 12 months to get there. And during that time, there was a lot of, hey, that's mine, or don't touch that. Things that I personally would not find incentivizing or motivating or enjoyable in a work environment and things that I don't stand for. But because of the structure that I was in and the pressure that I carried at home, it turned me into a version of myself I didn't love when it came to fighting for what I wanted to earn. So the learning for this is I will never again be in an environment in which my benefits are better than other women's or other people's without merit. There was no reason why I should have had better opportunity outside of I just fought for it harder. So either I need to go to the other women, other people, and we collectively fight harder. That's where change is made, right? Use your position of privilege to lift others up. And you recognize that I just said we didn't need to both make less. We instead needed to fight for how we could both make more. That is the difference. But it had to come from education. I needed to understand the financials of the business. I needed to understand how we were both being incentivized. What were the skills we were bringing? How were we making impact? And the truth was both of us deserved every penny we got. But being able to build a case and vie for yourself, that is part of what also is a part of this financial literacy journey. It's not understanding just your relationship with money, but it's also how do you then articulate your value through the lens of which it matters to the business. So I I thank you for going on this journey. Thank you for letting me share some of my own personal anecdotes I I felt it was important to not just paint the rose-colored version of it, but to tell the truth that the end state was beautiful, but it came after a lot of personal struggle and honestly friction between me and my colleague. And I'm grateful that she showed me that we both could rise, that that feminine energy, that nurturing, that collaboration, that community act was going to be our superpower. And I was emulating the masculine energy, the, the patriarchal structure that I had seen modeled. And so if you're listening to this, my wonderful colleague, who at one point will be a guest on the show, know that you changed my life in that way. And I'm very grateful. All right. This is the Fuck It All podcast. My name is Casey Let Gordon. I'm your host. Every week we come together with modern women talking about redefining it all. Today's guest, Audrey Paris Janini. You were fabulous. Thank you for joining me two weeks in a row to talk about your journey of saying fuck it all and sitting down again this week for a conversation about money. It's never easy, but it's always worth it. We'll see you next week.